This is the Bible in One Year Express, Day 44. God works for your good. Lord Radstock was staying in a hotel in Norway in the mid-19th century. He heard a little child playing the piano downstairs in the hallway. She was making a terrible noise. Plink, plonk, plink. It was driving him mad. A man came and sat beside her and began playing alongside her, filling the gaps. The result was the most beautiful music. He later discovered that the man playing alongside was the girl's father, Alexander Borodin, composer of the opera Prince Igor. God calls you into a relationship that involves cooperation with him. The Christian faith is primarily about what has been done for you by God in Christ. However, we're not mere spectators. You are called to respond. God involves you in his plans. God comes and sits alongside you and in all things works for the good. He takes our plink, plonk, plink and makes something beautiful out of our lives. From Proverbs 4 Turn your ears to my words. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Walk wisely. You have a part to play in responding to God's call, staying on his paths, living wisely, and thereby making something beautiful out of your life. In this passage, we see four areas in particular that you need to watch if you want to enjoy victory over temptation. First, what you think about. You can choose what you think about. The life you lead will flow from your heart. Above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. You're to fill your heart with good things, especially the words of God. They will bring life and health. Think about things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent or praiseworthy. Second, what you say. Your words are powerful. Use them carefully. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. It's said that the words of the tongue should have three gatekeepers. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Third, what you look at. Guard your eyes. Be careful what you look at, especially in this age of the internet and social media. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Jesus warned that if you look at the wrong things, your whole body will be full of darkness. But he also said, if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. Fourth way you go. You will avoid a lot of temptation if you are careful about where you go. Make level paths for your feet. Keep your foot from evil. The writer of Hebrews quotes this verse. He urges us to run with perseverance the race marked out for you with your eyes fixed on Jesus. Make level paths for your feet. Lord, put a watch over my tongue and a guard over my heart. Help me to walk wisely today. New Testament from Matthew 27 About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, 
Eli, Eli, lama samachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. The next day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, After three days I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day, otherwise his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he's been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. Give generously, supremely, through the cross and resurrection of Jesus, God works for your good. Jesus experienced appalling suffering and real separation from God in order that you could enjoy the presence of God. Jesus was abandoned by the religious leaders, by his own family, by the crowds, by his disciples. And finally, Jesus groaned out of the depths, crying loudly, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Jesus' words of agony express a real sense of alienation from God. He's quoting from Psalm 22 verse 1, which is a cry of suffering, lament and alienation from God. In the book of Job, we saw how Scripture engages with the difficulties and complexities of human suffering. At the cross, though, we see God's ultimate answer to our suffering. He chooses to enter into it and take it upon himself. John Stott reflects on suffering and the cross. I could never myself believe in God if it were not for the cross. In the real world of pain, how could one worship a God who was immune to it? Yet Jesus' embrace of our suffering on the cross goes beyond mere solidarity. His words reflect how he came to give his life as a ransom for many. He died so that you could go free. Jesus was abandoned so that you and I might be accepted by God. We see the reality of this acceptance by what happens at the moment of Jesus' death. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The symbolism of this is explained in the book of Hebrews. The curtain separated the people from the most holy place, that is, the presence of God. Now through Jesus, you can experience God's presence and an intimate friendship with him. Even the detail that the curtain was torn from top to the bottom reminds us that it was the work of God and not of humans that enabled your acceptance into God's presence. You can know God's acceptance and presence because of Jesus' abandonment and suffering. God was working for your good. Even at the moment God acted decisively in human history 
Through the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he included human beings in his plans. He used a rich man called Joseph of Arimathea, who'd become a disciple of Jesus, to buy the tomb where Jesus was to be buried and then resurrected. What matters is not so much whether you are rich or poor, but how you respond to what Jesus has done for you and what you do with what you have. Joseph gave generously and God made something beautiful out of his life that has been remembered for all time. Lord, thank you that you went through all this for me. Thank you that not only do you forgive me, but you also allow me to be part of your plans. Old Testament from Exodus 13 and 14 Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Trust totally. God's deliverance through Jesus is foreshadowed in the Old Testament. As God opened the way into his presence through the tearing of the curtain, so God opened a way through the sea by the parting of the waters. All the way through we see God's initiative in delivering his people out of Egypt. The Lord brought you out. Tell your children, I do this because of what the Lord did for me. The Lord brings you into the land. With a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. God led his people all the way. Although, interestingly, he didn't take them the shortest route. Sometimes, instead of taking us the easy way, God takes us a longer and more difficult way to prepare us for the battles ahead. Even though they were now out of Egypt, they were going to have to fight one battle after another. They needed to learn to rely totally on God's strength and guidance. He guided them constantly in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. This is what we need individually and as a community of the people of God, his constant guidance. Sometimes we get into situations where there seems to be no way out. The Egyptians were behind them and the sea was in front of them. They were exceedingly frightened. Yet Moses totally trusted in God to deliver them. He said, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. I often come back to these verses when I find myself in a situation where I cannot, humanly speaking, see a way out. Moses had to play his part. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea. God's part was rather harder. He divided the waters. When we pray, for example, for someone to be filled with the Holy Spirit, God uses us. You have to stretch out your hands and pray. But God fills people with his Spirit. He does the hard part. Nevertheless, he involves you in his plans. God's part was to bring rescue and salvation. The Lord saved Israel. Your part is to trust God. The people put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. God is working for your good. He wants you to cooperate with him. This is the way that he's designed his creation, whether it's in the natural world, where we plant and God gives the growth, or the kingdom of God, where God brings about his kingdom. Yet you have a part to play. 
Lord, thank you that in all things you work for my good and that you give me a role to play. Please take my plink, plonk, plink and turn it into something beautiful. Pepper adds, In Matthew 27 verse 52 it said, The tombs broke open and the bodies of holy people who had died were raised to life. After Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. This must have given everybody a fright. And I've always wondered what happened to them then. Did they wander and go back into the tombs? It was a sign that something extraordinary had happened that day.